Thank you and welcome to the first relaunched episode of the Kirby Method podcast, what used to be beyond the pink cloud. So I've rebranded, I've renamed, it took me two years of a hiatus, during which time I went through a lot of significant life changes and had multiple injuries from snowboarding, of which I'm happy to report I'm fully recovered. And I love having a, just a fresh start and a new approach to the podcast. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm really excited just to step into really what is the Kirby method, right? And for me, as a practitioner and as a human, it's coming into all of these you know, various disciplines and areas of expertise that I have, including being a doctor of physical therapy and a somatic experiencing practitioner. It's probably a great time to introduce myself. I'm Dr. Alice Kirby. I also have a, a background in Chinese medicine, in Western herbalism, Western nutrition, and I'm an expert in movement, in working with the nervous system, unwinding patterns of chronic stress and trauma. I'm also a sober woman. I'm about, I'll be six years sober September 1st. So right around the time this new show launches. And previously I was doing a, a lot of work and a very heavy focus on women in recovery. And while this is a great area, I love working with women in recovery. Uh, I love working with women in general. I just personally and professionally am ready for just a broader discussion of really what it is to be human and to come home to our bodies. Because for me in my work with somatic experiencing and really even in my recovery, this has been the crucial point, right? Is like being at home in my body and being able to work with my clients this way, my students this way, and to spread the word and techniques that help us to come home to our bodies. And so with this new show, with the Kirby Method podcast, I bring you, I continue to bring you wonderful, heartfelt, educated and well-researched interviews with guest experts in their respective fields to encompass a broader scope of the human experience. You know, what is this, what is this thing that we do called life? And let's talk to the people who are experts in their varied fields so that we can get information and knowledge and perhaps a deeper understanding of ourselves and of our own innate wisdom, because we're all so very wise and magical right? I'm a big believer in, in science and evidence-based practice. And I'm a big believer in magic because there are so many things that we don't understand. And so with this new show, our first episode is actually a year old. This is with the wonderful, talented artist, dance teacher, humanitarian Adelaide Marcus. And, but I just want to give a disclaimer. This episode's a year old. When we recorded it, Adelaide has given her blessing to go ahead and publish it now. So please enjoy the new show and this wonderful interview with Adelaide and stick around for this exciting new season. Thank you for being here. Hi, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. With me today, I'm very privileged to have one of my favorite people, Miss Adelaide Marcus. Adelaide, I know from San Diego as my belly dance teacher, and it was a real gem when I found her a few years ago when I first moved here. Adelaide is also an incredibly talented visual artist. She is living a nomadic life currently, and when she left San Diego, which was very sad for me a few years ago, she went and rebuilt a cabin. Is that right? And lived in the forest for a while? I, mean, I would say refurbished, but you know, it wasn't insulated. It needed new doors and windows. And yeah, I had a pigeon coop up top and needed some drywall. So I didn't build it from scratch, but I learned some things. Sounds like you learned a lot. And so, yeah, it's great to have you here. And I'm sure... We will learn more about you as we carry on with our interview. So anything that you want to add to your intro, let people know about you as we move along into our interview? I'm pretty impressed. Uh, you kind of summed up a lot of my background. So hopefully people know what we're talking about because we, we may jump around. As you said, I do a few things and I think I think we can clear up anything else in the interview. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Thank you. This is the first interview I've done in about a year. I was telling Adelaide because my podcast was on a hiatus. So it's kind of like fun to be back into it. But I also I do feel a little bit rusty. So bear with me, folks. And I appreciate you out there listening. So Adelaide, because I know you as my dance teacher, 
Can you just tell us a little bit about, because I know you have family origins with belly dance. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with dance and why that's been such a big part of your life? Yeah. So I started in the womb (laughs) and I was the third one coming out of this womb. And yeah, so my mother, she was a dancer. She did ballet and modern and all sorts of things. And then when she met my father in their teenage years, she started to get influenced by the Middle Eastern culture. He's Syrian and Arabic. So he was a Middle Eastern musician and she began to dance and she danced throughout her pregnancies, which is true to the origins of belly dance itself, which has to do with being a rite of passage. When a young woman would get her menstrual cycle, she was becoming a woman And she would learn this dance as a way to ease menstrual cramps and prepare her body for giving birth. So, yeah, she danced through her pregnancy. She danced me out and my sister. And then my sister and I later in life, when I was 18, I moved to San Diego and we started a belly dance company called the Shimmy Sisters. And that led the way into a life of entertainment and teaching and sharing. And belly dancing is, is definitely one of those art forms that was not a fad in my life and will probably be with me till the day I die. And hopefully through my own pregnancies in the future and pass down to my daughter, should it be a daughter or a son who wants to learn belly dancing. I love that. I love that. I've like in your classes, I've seen mostly women, but you do have men come sometimes. And I'm always curious about that. And sometimes I don't like it (laughs) personally, because, because I like dancing with women, but I do like that. And that's just my own personal thing. But I, I like that it's like all inclusive like that for you. And I'm curious when you have men in their classes, like what, what's their interest in learning? I guess I've always been curious about that. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny that you say that sometimes you don't like it. Cause I have gone back and forth when I moved out into the woods and did more of my homesteading. That's when I started to call my classes womb wisdom belly dance. And at that point I actually closed the container to only being women and it, it hands down does make a difference. But we went beyond belly dancing in those classes. I start we started doing, you know, kind of a talking circle lead in and really focusing on the why people were coming and why it had to do with the womb, whether it was in their sex life, whether it was rape, whether it was irregular menstruation. That's when I also started making the moon calendar. So I went I went totally into all women. But then coming back down to San Diego, you know, my older students who were men were like, can we come back in? And I always tell the men who want to join the classes that if it is an open container, that of course that they are welcome, but they're entering a woman's art form. So it's like if I were to want to take a martial arts class that was invented by a man or in this case of belly dancing was like invented and meant to be passed down to another woman for their own fertility, for their own feminine celebration, I explained to the men like, you're welcome, but you're entering basically a woman's space. And there's not any prestige around that. It's just, that's how the art form is. And most of the men who come want to get more in touch with their bodies, obviously, more in touch with their sensuality, more in touch with the feminine, more yin aspects in their life. And as long as they know I'm catering, you know, mostly to the women, then then they're welcomed. I've always had such a good vibe too from the men that come to your classes, even if you have to say like, I don't always like it. So I love that. Yeah, that it's just really carefully explained or let them know, hey, this is a women's space. I mean, I think that's really admirable too. It's kind of nice for a guy who wants to just come in and be in a women's space in like a very non-creepy way, but like in a way of I want to explore my own body and sort of be in this sacred space for women. And I really like too that you talked about how belly dance is like really vital for pregnancy and can be so helpful. I taught dance a long time ago when I was finishing up my undergrad degree. And I used to have this lady who was eight months pregnant who would come in to the dance class. And she said her doctor actually prescribed it for her, which I thought was so cool. And I I love that you're just out there kind of spreading this wisdom through a lot of your art forms, including the moon calendar. And I think anytime that we're teaching women how to be more aware of their own cycles and of the power that we hold in our bodies and like our ability to move it, I just think that's such good work in the world and we need lots of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, this thing with the men and the, the women has been coming up a lot lately because I also do breast casting, as you know, and 
I they're in well, so in releasing like the moon calendar and realizing that in marketing that by saying like women, I was actually excluding a lot of people who do menstruate when you have like transgender or people who look like men, but they still have female parts. So I started that like really helped me understand like, okay, well, I I need to start saying menstruators because this is really, I mean, first of all, people can use the calendar for whatever they want. They can literally just use it to know when the full moon is. But then, you know, to really open it up as a way to track your cycle, I realized this is not only women as we know it track our cycle. And so that kind of really made me question a lot of the purpose of what I'm doing. And then with the body casting as well, a lot of people, not a lot, but I've had a few people come in because they're transitioning. They have breasts. They want to remember them before they have them removed. And like a lot of that work really touches me of like, oh, wow, this is bigger than having breasts. This is like a part of a transition. And so I'm moving a little bit more actually into the queer community and the transgender community with the body casting and as a way to make art of something that there's so much curiosity around. There's so much taboo. There's so much fear around asking the wrong questions, but to really help celebrate people's existence through art, which is essentially what I'm doing with the dancing and the, and the casting and, and most of my art is fueled by celebrating our existence and our body and breaching on taboo subjects, which I also love. So anyways, I just love that that you brought that up because it's been on the forefront of my mind. And you mentioned that, you know, it's nice that you didn't feel like the creepy vibes, right? And that's so much of what I want to bring forward where I want to still host primarily like women's functions, but I don't want it to feel like if one man enters that all of a sudden it's creepy vibes are all and that we should give men like kind of the benefit of the doubt that's that expression actually isn't as potent as I'd like it to be. But to know that even if you were traumatized by a man that some men actually identify in their feminine or are seeking to embrace their feminine and that we can share medicine as opposed to be a threat to each other. So after going really deep into the woods and really deep into my own need for my own feminine medicine and my own womb medicine, my own womb wisdom, I'm kind of coming back to this, like, how can we go a step further in, in this healing that, that we're doing as a community, you know, as a society? Yeah, that's beautiful. I love all of that. And it's interesting this came up because this wasn't something I was planning to even <laughs> broach or talk about, but it just happened in the moment. And I love too what you said about doing breast casting for people like on one side or the other of transitioning and how special that is to have this right. piece of themselves that may never be the same again. I wonder too, for like women, I don't know if you've worked with people, but like women who are getting mastectomies or anything like that, where their bodies are just going to be changed and just to kind of preserve or have a memento of like, these are my breasts at this time in my life. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's still a fairly new offering because COVID slowed it down. So I'm just realizing what makes my heart like throb a little bit more. And at some of the women's gatherings, you know, I had a mother and her daughter who was like 13 come. So talk about honoring your, her body will obviously change, you know, without surgery or added hormones or anything just through age and that, you know, her mother saw that and wanted to celebrate and do it with her. So there is a lot more than just the casting It is a lot of what it represents. And it does really excite me in, in a way it's like, I like casting. But what I like more is when people see their bodies as art, like they take it off and they're and they get to stare at it and then think about, well, what do I want to paint on it? Or what if I made this like a a dream catcher and added str- and then all of a sudden they're looking at themselves very differently. And me having experience as an art model, being a subject and the artist, like creating things that I'm inspired by, I know like that that feeling of getting to to see yourself as art or to take away your own bias of what you look like and just look at what you're working with, you know? And when I'm, when I'm working with people, be it belly dancing or the casting, I'm not looking at like, Oh, I think Alice gained weight or lost weight. (laughs) Or I think that I'm going, okay, where is everybody's bodies in this moment? And how can I really see them as an art piece in my own eyes, whether I'm adding plaster to their breasts or whether we're working out the kinks and the hips, it's a really unbiased 
space of, of self-development and improvement in maybe mentally even. I think definitely mentally too. I think it's such a big deal and it's beautiful. I mean, I love that you just said all of that. And for people who may not know what breast casting is, I'll just, could you just kind of explain a little bit? I mean, maybe it's really obvious, but. No, thank you. I need you to ask me questions like that. <laughs> so I was like, thanks for the context. So essentially what I'm doing with, with the breast casting is I'll use plaster strips and overlay it over a woman's breasts and they can have it in the shape of a heart or a flower. You know, we can go through these different designs, whether they want it to hang on the wall or the table, but after it dries, which is a relatively quick process, it's like 20 minutes before the plaster will harden, they can take it off their body. And then they basically have like a cast in the shape of their body. And in the future, I'd love to use that cast as a mold and fill it in and do more like three dimensional art as well. So this is also part of my like artist journey towards more embodied art. Like I, I would love to have and I'm working towards having a center that's called Embodied Art Center. And I can't think of a better way to demonstrate that in like a physical manner by creating art out of bodies. Yeah, it really is like embodying art, I think, in the most literal sense that it yeah. can be. And I love what you said, too, about getting people to see their own bodies as art and also like as the practitioner, or the artist or the teacher also looking at people's bodies as art. I feel like I... I do a version of that with my work, but it's different because I'm not an artist. And But it's like this idea of seeing, I don't know, for me, like seeing the whole person. I don't know. Like I, I just taught this retreat and it was like really beautiful because there were some challenging moments with people, but I had this really strong sense that I was just able to like see people mm-hmm. and as art or like as their beings of their selves. Obviously, I'm not good at articulating this yet, but it was really great just to have that experience. And it's not like I normally walk around judging people, but I think because it was in such a closed container and such like a highly concentrated environment of doing this somatic work and a lot of movement, it was just really special. And I love the idea of having more physical representation of the body as part of that for like women's healing in general, because there's just so much, I think, stress and struggle around body image and body identity. And it's one of the reasons I love belly dance so much. I think it really Mm -hmm. helped me a lot with just accepting and loving my own body right where I was. And, you know, my body certainly changed in the 20 some years I've been dancing, but it's been nice just to, I really, I ask people a lot about internal resources in their bodies, like Mm -hmm. places where you feel like yourself inside. And for me, like my hips and pelvis are just solid. And I think I've never actually put this together until just now. (laughs) So it's an exclusive. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it's because of belly dancing. And I think that's why I have this like real true sense of myself, like in that pelvic womb area. Absolutely. Yeah. I literally feel like I get thrown off center when I'm not belly dancing with some frequency or not tuning into that spot. And that has been noticeable traveling full time, not having a center anchor point with a home base and just having to return to my center and to my pelvis and to the lower dantian where the uterus is. And that is now at least I know where my go to is. And when I'm off center, like where that is. And like I said, I have got to continue like I, I am being patient with the fact that I'm not dancing as much as I'd like to and teaching as much as I'd like to. But but they also know that, oh, it's not gone anywhere. Like I will always return to this home and teaching is also its own gift. You know, and in my way, it's like my students are not all my children, obviously. And I don't necessarily literally see it that way. But I feel that I am passing down this art. That, and to me, it's like a rite of passage so that people like you can be like, wow, I hadn't thought about this way. But belly dance actually has given me awareness that I can come back to this part of my body and if I can share that awareness, it's, it really is like an honor for me to be able to pass that down. And here we are trying to articulate, essentially the unarticulatable, that's a word. <laughs> and that's like the story of my life. And that's why I make art and do these retreats and teach these classes. But it is fun to, to, to pick it apart a little bit and attempt to share and do justice when sharing it. <laughs> It's great. I think you're quite articulate <laughs> about all of it. Yeah, it's just, and I think, you know, there's also this like felt sense energy that comes with it of just talking about it. I feel like then the sense is like, 
in the container of the room and in our individual containers and hopefully out into the world with people listening too, where there's a little bit of, you know, not just the cognitive and the verbal, but that felt sense. So maybe there's some, you know, notice your bodies right now, listeners, like see what's happening for you. And that felt sense is really real. And okay. I know you mentioned traveling. And so I want to, and actually one of my questions was because you've been, you know, nomadic for a year, right? More than a year. It's been a while. Full time, almost a year. So come October will be a year. But I was take I was kind of doing little trips, coming back mm-hmm. to the home base for probably it's probably been a year and a half of of that. But yeah, October marks like the full year. Like I actually haven't even gone back to Nevada City where I launched out from. I'll be going back this month or yeah, late August and. I, it's kind of incredible to think that like, wow, I haven't even gone back to like, quote unquote, what I thought was going to be my main home base in a year. I'm mm-hmm. like, Thank God I stopped paying rent. <laughs> then, yeah. You know, I, I knew when I left last time that it might be a while. And I just got that sense like, okay, this is the moment that this happens because I was building it out for a year. So it was like I was working towards a goal, but the but I had to be so patient and diligent t- in the process of working towards it that I kind of forgot that the goal was like, to actually live out of it. And so, mm-hmm. le- yeah, last October was that moment where I was like, and now we're off. Here we go. And I want to hear some more just about the process of building out your vehicle. But just to kind of circle back to where we were before, I'm curious if like your daily rituals or daily practices, like what's kind of stayed the same, if there's been a common thread for you, like with being on the road, or if you've ha- established some new ones, like, is there any... Are there any constants that you feel like do sort of keep you grounded and keep you connected when you're moving around a lot? Well, there is definitely not an answer that comes to my head with that one, which is very telling that I don't think that there are any constants in terms of like routine or habit. I've never really been a habitual person anyway, but my life looks so different. When I was homesteading, I had the exact opposite. Essentially, I had this cabin to myself. I was on family's property, but I did no roommates. My brother lived up the hill. It was just me and him on like 15 acres for the first couple of years. And I was an hour away from the closest anything. Like even when I started teaching again, I would drive an hour to the closest cute town. And then I started building some friends and community. But now I am basically always eat in someone else's type of environment. And even if it's not an actual person, like say if I go to BLM land or I'm in a new place where I'm trying to figure out what are the, what does the container feel like and look like? So even if it is in BLM land, it's like, okay, do I have service? Can I get this work done? Oh shit, I can't actually be as productive as I thought. Okay, do I want to shift my location? Do I want to stay here? So I'm constantly like, Feeling like I'm getting this visual of like going into a space and then like kind of being like, okay, here's the chair here, like blindly kind of understanding. So one thing that has become consistent for me in this chapter is really prepping myself to be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when you were like, hey, the equipment isn't set up with recording. I'm sorry about that. And I joked, I was like, oh, I'm used to it. Like <laughs> I just assume that I'm going to show up and do my best. And sometimes I know myself really well at this point. I'm 35 years old and like, I know what's going to like frustrate me or irk me. And so sometimes I'll go like, there's no guarantees. If you go here, you're going to get this. So you still want to go or do you, is it worth it for you to look into it further? And then if in most cases I'm on people's properties or I'm on site on a mural project or a work project or something like that, or a shared space with someone who I'm dating. And so there's just the only consistent thing that, I've been able to have is the tools that help keep me sane and centered, really. But I like diving into different chapters of life. I am certain one consistent thing and just came to my mind is that I'm very adaptable. Like I, I can today I was hired good money to do a corporate gig on stilts looking gorgeous. And now I'm on your couch. (laughs) with hairy legs. I didn't have to (laughs) shave for the stilts, you know, like looking like a van lifer. And, and I'm pretty comfortable with a lot of it. And I make community really fast because I truly can relate to people in many walks of life. So that's been a good, like I'm always got my Adelaide spirit and I'm always like, 
I'm not wolfing. I'm not doing work trade. I got a vision. I have, these are the things I'm good at. And there's a lot of them. So I always bring myself to it, but I tend to like immersive life experiences. And I see this van life as that, as I'm immersing myself into multiple life experiences. My job is just to make sure that I stay centered and to give myself some me time, like finishing being in people's spaces and of service to them makes it challenging for me to just feel like a comfortable guest, like if I'm doing a mural. And so I need to find what I need in between projects. So recently it's been going and parking my van by the ocean and letting the cross breeze and going like, I don't owe shit to nobody. (laughs) I just got to make sure my dog gets what he needs and like I get what I need. So that's been good, but total 360 from from homesteading life and also revisiting like now I'm doing gigs again I'm do- I just saw a community of people I pretty much grew up with this weekend there was like a party on my friend's property and I was just like it's just such a trip right because I'm also revisiting older versions of myself and potentially wanting to pick those versions of myself back up and to go like, Oh, I have community here that I've developed for 13 years. And maybe I can say yes to some nourishment and Hmm. not always need to immerse myself in new experiences. So I think I answered way more than your question with that. (laughs) That was great. I loved it. (laughs) Like I said, thanks for the therapy (laughs) session. <laughs> Adelaide's in the comfy yeah. therapy chair. Oh, we're doing this interview live too, which uh-huh. I think I've only ever done one other of those. So, yeah, there you are, folks. I love what you said about, I loved a lot of what you said, adaptability. And I just because I relate a lot, I relate to a lot. I think we're similar mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, just with, I remember when I was like 18 or something and getting ready to go to college, or maybe I was younger than that. But I remember saying to my friend, like, I just want life to be the series of gripping experiences. And she was like, yeah, yeah, just go to college. But I like really wanted this and I still do it. So it's really interesting to just see that thread of like, no, this is just really how I am as a person. And it's fine. And it's great. And like living more mobily, it really like pleasantly, I think, forces you to be more adaptable, but like in a way where it feels like it's emerged a lot at least for me, and I think for you too, is a, is a really powerful strength. And not like a strength that you have to sort of push through to get to, but it's like almost something I feel like I can rely on. I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'll go backpacking this day. And then I'm going to go teach a retreat. And then I'm going to come home. And then I'm going to fly to Florida and see my mom. And then I'm going to do see some patients. And I just really like living like that. I get the sense you do too, which is, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you can kind of like, it takes a lot of two things, right? Self-reliability, but then also... I feel so vulnerable starting this because I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'd ask a friend to use their bathroom and Mm -hmm. use the shower. And I've always had, I had, you know, you belly danced at my old house in San Diego. Like I had a hub where people stopped in for me. So it's like these, this combination. But at the end of the day, I'm also like, I have a portable toilet. I have like, if I need to get away, I have everything that I need. And I've had to remind myself that sometimes because we can... I could, I was getting into this like state of feeling homeless, even though I spent a year making a home. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a good combination of like, yeah, I could fall back on this. Like now, you know, through backpacking, right? When you need to be resourceful, you learn how to be resourceful and you learn how to get yourself out of pinches, out of shitty ass situations. You learn how to manage your stress really good. So like now I'm prepared for so many things. Like I got my rig stuck in the sand in the desert a couple weeks ago. And I was just so proud of myself because I didn't flip out. I knew it was serious because it's 15,000 pounds and not wow. a lot of people could actually get a a chain or anything strong enough that's rated for that, even if they have a four by four. And I just was like, okay, assess the situation. Here are my options. And I felt like that was a point of like success and being proud. Big so, time. To your point, like, yeah, you, you do have something to always fall back on through your just the experience of this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I like that you talked about community too, because that was another question I'm really curious about for myself too, with wanting to continue to uproot and be more mobile. Do you feel like, and I know you said you're quick to kind of adapt and build communities, but I guess like, what have you learned about being in community on the road? Are there, is there advice you would give? 
as for how to like create community when it's when you're moving around a lot and maybe communities are new and how to integrate yourself into different spaces? I think that thanks for asking these questions. They're great. I'm thinking now I'm reflecting on my travels and I think that like having dance as a language that I speak really well has been, and this is obviously maybe not as great of advice for every listener, but to answer just for me personally, having that as a language I speak has been really helpful. So there is an ecstatic dance community, like in multiple communities. It's this like the umbrella is called ecstatic dance. There's the rules stay the same, no talking on the dance floor, no taking, you know, drugs or drinking before it's about getting high off the dance and no shoes. And then kind of, using consent to dance with someone right without words so in different communities like i would go there because i personally needed it especially traveling and not having a dance studio that i lived out of but i found that it was a really good way where people can kind of notice like oh this woman looks like a professional dancer or she clearly like looks like belly dance in so it, it starts a conversation that's relevant to what I'm doing and what I want to share. And so it helps me integrate to communities too, because I'm able to right away say what it is that I'm doing. And when I'm going to these communities, I'm also interested in potentially living there because I'm looking for my forever home. So it's helpful for me to be like, hey, is there an interest in this? But also not like forcing anything. But it's a given, it's a give and take. And if I'm going on to like live on someone's space, like a community space, you know, it's like really understanding what it is that they may need, what it is the exchanges, if it's not finances, if it's something else, and just being really mindful of who you are, what you're capable of, and, and never wanting to force or use anyone or any situation. You know, I really look at life as like, it's either mutually beneficial, or I don't really, I don't need to be there. Like, yeah, there's enough opportunity for mutually beneficial circumstances that I'll just keep moving if like literally and metaphorically. So I think that that's felt. And yeah, I think like the advice would be it would, you know, to go and find the activities that that you enjoy that other people also enjoy. If you like bike riding and you got a bike, I actually even did a couple of online dating things, which I've never done before. And I picked people who like one guy, you know, ran a bike shop and we went biking. (laughs) And so it's like, just and putting yourself out there in new ways. Like I never did the online dating before, but I was like, well, this is a perfect time. My mindset is already open to meeting new people. And, but it is take time to truly develop a community. And that's why I've kind of come full circle to where I was before of like, I already nourished something for a decade without thinking I need to build a community. Mm-hmm. I was just like 1920, you know, I went through my whole twenties just being like, I'm obsessed with art and I want to make art and I want to share art and I want to live paint at this event. And now I'm like, Oh, I don't really want to do all of those things with the consciousness of being like, I'm building community. It's like, okay, well I want to build a home. And so it's been fun to, to really understand like, how to drop in to community, but also how deep, you know, how deep do we want to go? And I know that this is probably a question that a lot of people have, at least people I've been speaking to is so many people are trying to find a quote unquote forever home. And a lot of that has to do with, with community. Yeah. And there's so many, like community is such a loaded word. Like, are we talking about intentional community living? Are we talking about a community that supports you, what you do for a living, a community of people who have children because you want children? So it's a, yeah, it's an important one to dive into. And I guess one more little telling of advice is if you're not like a social person, which I actually consider myself an introvert, putting yourself into new situations where you're facing your fears, like I get social anxiety around my own friends, you know, so it's, <laughs> so like, it's, I don't want to appear like, Oh, I just am so confident. I go into all these places and meet people, but I find places that, you know, I'm more comfortable, like ecstatic dancing, like, thank God we don't have to talk. And then I also am just okay with being uncomfortable. So that would probably be the most beneficial advice. Is, yeah. Is just have compassion for yourself you know, and just allow yourself to be imperfect and uncomfortable and in the company of others, usually you're become a permission slip for other people to, you know, be authentic as well. Yeah, agreed. 
So I think so many people have social anxiety too, like even if they don't show it. So sometimes even just naming it can be useful, but I think it's such a great skill set to be okay to be uncomfortable. I think that's just a huge life skill. Yeah. I have to add, cause this is just really interesting. Yeah. So going to this event this weekend with my old school friends, I had like a very different kind of anxiety, like social anxiety. Cause at one point I was like, Oh my God, everyone knows me. It's not new. Like I get to just be immersed and hugged by this community. But it also just felt like, Whoa, I was like feeling anxious. Like I am so different. Like I'm not frolicking around, you know, being kind of more hyper. I just felt like I, you know, I used to like love to put on like makeup and dots and glitter. And I just almost felt like this anxiety of like, Whoa, why am I personally trying to, I felt like I was pressuring myself Oh, I'm going to show up differently and how somehow like that alone was creating anxiety. And I realized like, I'm so used to being in such new environments now that it was almost hard to be embraced and to be like, Hey, I'm different. Do you still like love Adelaide? Mm-hmm. I mean, now we're getting like into like deeper psychology, but yeah, I just wanted to note that because it was a week. I was getting used to being in new environments to being in such different environments. So it's like very ironic. It's interesting. I think there's something too, and I check myself with this a lot with moving around a lot, is that you can stay not surfacey because I'm not a surface person and I know you're not either, but it's like there's, if you're only in a place for a short period of time, it's not going to be the same amount of depth that it is with people you've known for 20 years and built a long relationship with. And I think, yeah, I don't know. That could be anxiety producing. I don't think that's exactly what you were saying, but just in thinking about that, I like the newness too. It's like, I don't know, it's not like a high, but kind of. I mean, it's like really fun to just have a lot of new experiences. So did you, did you like when you decided to leave and go, was the purpose to like seek out a place to build like the art center where you're talking about or build your own forever home? When I decided to go on the road in the, in, okay. Last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the feeling was, okay, I reached the outer limits of what I felt like I could do on my brother's property. He has his vision. I kind of came in originally like, yo, I got to get myself back in balance. Like I was having insomnia. I just had been hustling so hard and my businesses were taking off and I was just, there was too much desire for what I had to do too much overhead and not enough time to think. So that's why I went on the first trip time to go live in a cabin. But then after about three years, like I, so I got rebalanced. I started loving gardening. I, I really just started expanding into this new, you know, version of me of making my own herbal yoni steams and cigarette blends that, you know, (laughs) facial stuff, like total home center. But then I was ready to draw people back into my life and offer things and, you know, my brother was like more private. I'm, I am very public as you mm-hmm. know, and I, it's been really nice to realize like, oh, that's actually important to my being mm-hmm. is to be able to bring people into my space and to be able to give people experiences. So I wanted the space for that. But the question was, well, then where? Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing I knew is that if I'm going to invest my blood, heart, sweat and tears and time into a location, which I love doing, which I did where I was on my family's property. And I'm so grateful it went to my family and not to some landlord that like, I knew that the where was an important question. Yeah. Right? And I knew that I wanted to invest and to own and to, to like, yeah, feel like I can go 110%. So I didn't know where, and but I knew it was the time. I knew when it was like, I can't do this very much longer because it's going rancid. You know, what was this like amazing thing was kind of like, yeah, I felt contained and that never feels good, right? Yeah. Especially for people like us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I felt the fruit shifting into being a rancid fruit and I knew how to make a decision. So I just decided to, that the only thing that made sense was to explore where I wanted to live. And then I had to ask, well, okay, so there's the van life. We have this hashtag van life thing, which I had not thought about or dreamed about like so many people. And it just then I just kind of are dead. Do I down? Do I need to stand? Do I need to lay down? What am I trying to do here? Am I trying to make money? Do I need my fire tools? Like what? Mm-hmm. And so then I just started to think like, okay, what kind of space do I need? I thought about a bus, but then that felt a little like 
too hippie and consistent. Like I wanted to be different because that's kind of my thing. (laughs) So when I saw an ambulance, I was like, that is it. That's awesome. So I went down that rabbit hole and I already knew I wanted to paint the whole thing. So it just looked like a badass billboard that can I can drive. And honestly, I did not I did not like research or sit on this for months. I just went in and I just kept going down the rabbit hole until I found out a company that was like selling them out of Minnesota and flew and drove it back 2000 miles. And my partner at the time was renovating school buses. So it opened my I was like, wow wow, I could like really learn and do this. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I had had the idea before I met him. And it was one of those like lovely universal, like, you know, timing things. And so it was great for both of us because during COVID, we got to both build out vehicles. He was building out out to sell them. I was building out to live out of it. And we got to like work side by side with a little crew and an artist collective parking lot. And that's when I started digging myself out of the lonely rut. Because to be isolated for two and a half years and then get hit with COVID yeah. and have parents on the property because my parents had moved out to the property right at the beginning of COVID. So I couldn't fuck around with their health. Right. So I just kind of felt like, okay, I can't teach. I can't do any of my events. And I'm so isolated. I have no pod. I've been two and a half years alone. Mm-hmm. And so I just poured myself into building the thing. And I used every dime of unemployment and some of my own savings. And I think it was a really great decision. Yeah, I agree. I came out of COVID with a whole new life. Yeah. And your ambulance is beautiful. I rode, I biked by you when you were parked on the cliffs the other night. And I, I mean, I was just biking up there and I was like, oh, there's Adelaide's like vehicle. <laughs> and it was just fun to see it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's beautiful. You're such a gorgeous artist. So, I mean, you could even like do that if you wanted like paint outsides of cool vans for people. Yeah, I've definitely got some inquiries for that. And I it bet. kind of prepped me for mural painting. Like I, I definitely got way too detailed on the ambulance. Like I realized that in that project that like I need to start scaling out a little bit mm-hmm. and if I'm going to work bigger. So it was a good, you know, learning process for me and a good conversation starter too. That helps as well with building community. I mean, when you, yes, I'm not stealth. <laughs> at all. (laughs) And there are lots of cons to that, obviously. But you know, you find your people faster when you live a little bit louder. And I certainly have a loud home, you know, it's people like, Oh, my God, are you an artist? (laughs) Like I say, it's a great driving billboard. Yeah, definitely. Have you found any place that you want to settle that you're considering? Or do you have like a favorite place? I'm certainly considering being on the outskirts of San Diego so I can ideally get the best of both worlds. I don't want next door neighbors. I am pretty clear. It just feels so wrong to have like a fence between me and someone else. But I also want to be hosting events where women and people (laughs) can be walking around naked. So I'm looking on the outskirts of San Diego. I, I haven't pinpointed yet but i like the desert vibes i like boulders so i like the east east of san diego feel and i have a few different communities doing some different things so i think that just spending more time here and incorporating myself into those communities letting them know exactly what it is i'm doing and again is that mutually beneficial to what you're doing and ideally not having to do as many things because other people are doing it. So yeah. it, I do know friends who have retreat centers. I'm like, I don't think I need to build a retreat center because yeah. who's, I don't have met a hippie who hasn't had a vision of creating a retreat center, Yeah, but I still want to offer the things that I want to offer that could maybe be mutually beneficial to other retreat centers where they stay there or hotels being built out. Yeah. I would say that I'm definitely getting closer and I've been, having my eye on some properties. I've been learning more about real estate. I've been going to the county. I've had my heart throb over places and <laughs> lost them. I mean, I'm in it. <laughs> I'm 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 in it. And that's a lot of things people don't see from the outside while I'm making art, while I'm sharing things on my Instagram stories. I, I can't share every detail of of this, but it's certainly well, I'm having important conversations and I know what my piggy bank's getting used for, you know, and why, why, why I'm making and saving money and yeah. why I'm going to hold out on paying rent for as long as I can. Cause I'd rather, yes, gas is expensive and I have to 
swallow that, you know, diesel is even more expensive, but, but at the same time, the money that I don't need to spend to be in this lifestyle, like if I'm going to hold out, even though it can be really tricky and like, I have to literally figure out between one project and the next and one day and the next, you know, what am I doing? And you know, that's mentally. Yeah. It's the logistics I think will drive you you crazy. It's like logistical nightmares on it. Yeah, Yeah. It's like such the opposite. Like, I guess you could just be a free, you know, spirit and live very minimally. But I think because my goal has always been to invest in a place, Mm -hmm. it's not just like, Oh, I'll just do what I can do to get by. It's like, okay, I actually do want to figure out these logistics and not just like let months of my life go by. Yeah. Yeah. That said, I had a great time. Like I, I did take two months of just exploring and I was looking at places to potentially live, but I wasn't like, Oh, I need to make money or get booked mm-hmm. to go. I just went did so hiking, fun. went through Sedona, went up the rivers, went to Utah. Like, so I gave myself the time I needed for that. And again, that's also part of the goal is, you can't just make and save money. Sometimes you need to go out on the limb and really ask yourself, like, how do I like this environment? And sometimes the excuse is that you just need to go, you know, and yeah. you don't have nobody waiting for you with any paycheck. And so I sold my car, <laughs> which was helpful. And mm-hmm. I was just like, fuck it. We're, this is an important part of this. Yeah. And so I gave myself the permission, you know, and yeah. I'm like, oh, that's freedom. Yeah. <laughs> Giving yourself permission. That's all I needed. I was like, you can do that, Adelaide. Like you got that. Yeah. So I guess there is a lot of freedom in van lifing. I think it just looks different than the free spirit. Yeah. Icon with all the logistics that we were just describing. Definitely. You actually have to like know how to pre-pack your lunch and <laughs> yeah, like right? where you're gonna shower. And I know I did the same thing with texting friends. Like, can I come shower today? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you. I felt bad, you know, for asking. And luckily, I have lovely friends here. But yeah, I was living in my van here and trying to like work and run my business, and it was just it was logistically a struggle. Like the actual like being in my van and hanging out and like was great. You know, I know how to like cook in a really small space. And Mm -hmm. now I have a studio apartment and I'm like, whoa, (laughs) this is fancy. Right. (laughs) Because it's so much bigger and just, I don't know. Yeah. My appreciation for simple things has definitely changed after after that. And now it's like really fun to just take the van out camping and stuff. And I'm like, well, I should sell it so then I can have a down payment on some property, but maybe not just yet. Yeah, but you you have it. So you have it as an asset. And yeah. I have Shelly as an asset, no matter what, Airbnb yeah. or, you know, so yeah. or take fun trips. Yeah, it's really fun yeah. to take fun trips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take, like people who have nice rigs and take it out for the weekends or, for, you know, yeah, that's great. Like she'll always be available for that if mm-hmm. I if I wanted. And, you know, there's a million ways to do it, like urban versus like when I was going through Arizona, it was just so much easier because there's it was just like easy to find BLM land. Mm-hmm. And there are places to pull off and people aren't bugging you. Like yeah. urban areas are different. But then, like I said, when I was like, OK, cool, I should make some money now and keep going. I was like, oh, fuck. Now you're back in the city. So yeah. there's that, you know, there's the trade off. And yeah, there's lots of trade offs. And it's just nice to kind of go. Yeah. OK, I don't get this, but I get this. And I'm not going to like be in this and wish I had something different. Like you kind of, like I said previously, like I've gotten better at going like, okay, here's my scenario. Mm -hmm. That's going to be tough. That's going to be easier. Like, are you cool with that? Mm -hmm. That, Let's not pretend that we don't know this. You know, I kind of prime my, I'm better at priming myself. Like I told you so. (laughs) Don't just show up and be surprised that you're in a BLM land and there's no toilet anywhere yeah, and yeah. no water and you're like oh no <laughs> I knew this would happen but I pretended it wouldn't yeah exactly thanks so much for chatting with me today Adelaide do you have any I know you have a ton of stuff going on and well whatever links you want to share I'll put in the show notes anything that you want to pitch any other last bit like of advice that you'd like to give to people I don't know anything anything you got going on you yeah. want to share well I don't know when you're putting this out. Probably September sometime. Okay. So I think that the best thing to do because my schedule does change a lot is to follow my Instagram, which is at art by Adelaide. 
A-D-E-L-A-I-D-E. That's how you spell my name. My website's also artbyadelaide.com. If you want to see any of my artwork, that's a good place to see that. And if you're interested in any of my offerings, yeah, Instagram's a good way to see it. And you can message me. I do a newsletter, which is also a nice way to be in the know. Looks like I'll be gravitating in the California areas, some of my main home bases, but I also have contacts now in Sedona and in Flagstaff, Arizona, Santa Fe, Taos. So those are places I'd like to revisit, even Austin. So wherever you are, I'd love to yeah, share what I do and hit me up on the social media because that's where it's the most visually pleasing way to <laughs> keep seeing what I'm up to. Yeah, thank you. And I definitely recommend signing up for Adelaide's newsletter too. It's really is a nice way to like stay in touch and see what she's up to. I think my mom gets your newsletter too. Because sometimes she'll say things. She'll be like, oh, Adelaide did this. And I'm like, what? I love, I love my you, newsletter. And, and don't worry, if you sign up, you will not get bombarded. These days I'm like, okay, I need to send out a newsletter. It's pretty infrequent. So it is, it's kind of special when one it comes is. in. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Special. And I... Yeah, I I actually, I really like writing as well. And obviously, I'm an external processor. So that helps. (laughs) That helps as well. And yeah, if you go to my website, you can just sign up for the newsletter there. So artbyadelaide.com. Yeah, I recommend it. Are you doing any do you have any like upcoming retreats that people can look into in the next like six months or so? In September, I'm doing a woman's retreat up in Northern California, which is what's prompting my travels up there. Nice. And I'll be teaching at an amazing women's gathering in Costa Rica that you know of in February. So that one is a nice one to pre-plan for. They have like many, many different types of earth building, sexuality, making pottery, learning belly dance. I'll be doing that and, and doing the breast casting there. So those are what I have on the agenda now, but there are a lot of other things in the works. That's why I'm saying it's just best to do the newsletter and, and see what's happening. I kind of am at this in-between point right now of going like, what should I commit to for the remaining of this year? Yeah. And I'm kind of holding out. Because <laughs> <laughs> once I do, you know, it's an immersive it's experience. Yeah. yeah. So. Great. Well, thanks again, Adelaide. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Oh, I should say... In San Diego, I'm absolutely going to be doing some more workshops and hopefully another series. So if you do happen to listen in San Diego, that's this is like kind of my main hub right now. And I, I think hopefully, Alice, you'll be there and we'll get to do some more dancing together. Yeah, definitely. If you're in San Diego and you want to belly dance, come take Adelaide's class. It's the best, truly. And I've danced with a lot of great teachers and she's one of my favorites. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was so fun. It was really fun. All right. See everyone next time. Take good care of yourselves. And thanks for tuning in.